Welcome to Blue Hour, a podcast for seekers and thinkers, creatives and dreamers. Here we'll be exploring the convergence of shadow and light, the mysteries of life, and the musings of the soul through psychology, art, and spirituality. I'm your host, Adina Arden Cooper. Please join me on this magical journey as we expand our consciousness and infuse our lives with more wonder, love, and fulfillment. Hello, and welcome back to Blue Hour. I'm your host, Adina Arden Cooper. So, do you enjoy poetry? It doesn't seem like very many people do, but I do. And I'll be honest, I don't always understand it. Sometimes it actually hurts my brain. But in my opinion, good poetry isn't easy or obvious. Poetry is cadence. Poetry is the soul of words. Poetry is brush strokes. Poetry is art. And art reflects life. In this episode, I'll be talking about the significance of place on your origin story. This brought me to Four Quartets, a series of four poems by T.S. Eliot. This series was written over a period of time beginning in 1936 and ending in 1942, and was heavily influenced by World War II. Each of the four stanzas also represents the four elements, air, earth, water, fire, Four Quartets explores themes of time, consciousness, place, and spirituality. I am certainly not qualified to get into a formal analysis of the poem, nor do I think any listeners really want that, but I would like to read the, the final stanza from the second poem, East Coker. Home is where one starts from. As we grow older... The world becomes stranger, the pattern more complicated, of dead and living, not the intense moment, isolated, with no before and after, but a lifetime burning in every moment, and not the lifetime of one man only, but of old stones that cannot be deciphered. There is a time for the evening under starlight, A time for the evening under lamplight. The evening with the photograph album. Love is most nearly itself when here and now cease to matter. Old men ought to be explorers. Here or there does not matter. We must be still and still moving into another intensity for a further union a deeper communion through the dark, cold, and the empty desolation, the wave cry, the wind cry, the vast waters of the petrol and the porpoise. In my end is my beginning. To me, this speaks to the sense of comfort we get from the familiar when we're young, how we strive to find meaning in our experiences, the relevance of nature, and how we contend with existential mystery 
and how peace is ultimately found in releasing attachments. But don't quote me on any of this because I am definitely no expert in poetry. I encourage you to read the poem, all four poems, which have been said to be Eliot's best work, and extract your own meaning. Contemplate for yourself the wisdom Eliot was attempting to convey. I'd like to dig a little deeper into the experience of home. Of course, there's the physical structure. People are affected by physical surroundings to different degrees, but I think we're all affected more than we may realize. How did it feel to be in your childhood home? How comfortable were you there? Take a moment to reflect on some of the details of the house you lived in when you were a kid. Notice what you remember. Notice how you feel when you recall those details. What did your physical home tell you about yourself, your family, or the world? When I was about six or seven years old, our place was broken into a couple of times. We came home to find the door wide open, the place ransacked, furniture moved, drawers emptied, things broken. I distinctly remember finding my underwear drawer had been rummaged through, and I felt really violated by that. I still see the scene like a snapshot in my mind. Money my sister had been saving, she was only about 9 or 10 at the time, had been stolen from her room and she was so upset. I never slept well after that experience. I was always terrified that the burglars would come back and hurt us. To this day, I sleep with a pillow on top of my head, a familiar comfort left over from childhood. By the time I was 12 years old, I'd lived in six different homes with my mom. I always got the smaller bedroom because I was the youngest, which never seemed fair to me. It implied that my sister was somehow more deserving or valuable or important just because she was older, which I know wasn't anyone's intention, but still, it's a stupid rule that the oldest kid gets the biggest room. Um, I was most often, though, at my grandparents' house. This consistency definitely helped me to hold on to a sense of place, but their house was never quite my house. The decor there was outdated. The orange shag wall-to-wall carpet was probably out of style by the time I was born, yet it never changed. The once white walls had yellowed over time, maybe in part due to my grandmother's cigarette smoke. The white couch was covered in plastic. There were cracks in the walls, holes in the ceilings, boxes upon boxes of stuff crammed into the basement, boxes and piles of more stuff in my grandfather's bedroom. The whole place told a complicated and haunting story. It spoke, of, it spoke years of memories and unprocessed trauma. The story the house told was a story that I read repeatedly, but never actually understood. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, though I have an appreciation for it now, now that I've lived elsewhere for almost 25 years. As a kid, I did not like it there. It was too gray and too cold too much of the time. 
I lived for the short summers. Winter has always been difficult for me, physically and emotionally. Maybe it's different there now, or maybe this is reflective merely of my personal experience, but when I lived there, people in general seemed pretty miserable. When I was about seven years old, my mom was driving my sister and me home when she became the recipient of some guy's road rage. I don't exactly know what was happening, but I remember her getting upset and then scared when he started following us. We were close to home, but she pulled over to the side of the road away from the house so he wouldn't know where, he, where we lived. The guy got out of his car and started yelling at my mom. I watched through the backseat window. I can still see him as he angrily spit on the glass, essentially in my face, before getting back in his car and driving away. Obviously, this sort of thing could happen anywhere, but anger and rudeness were not uncommon where I grew up. As an aside, if you've never seen Buffalo 66, starring Christina Ricci and Vincent Gallo, who also directed the film, I recommend it. Gallo was also born in Buffalo, and the film captures a certain sadness that I felt in the atmosphere as a kid. Cities in general aren't places I deeply connect with. While they can be fun and interesting places to visit, I don't enjoy them for long. As a highly sensitive person, I find cities to be overstimulating. Too many people, too noisy, too chaotic, too stressful. As a kid, I didn't have much access to nature or wild spaces. The small backyard behind my grandparents' house or rare visits to the park were about the extent of it which I believe to be detrimental to anyone's well-being. Nature is inherently healing and a vital component for overall health and wellness. I'm certain my young nervous system would have benefited tremendously had I been able to find respite in nature on a more regular basis. And this leads me to consider modern society's overall disconnection from nature. The Industrial Revolution, which brought advancements in technology and rapid urban growth, played a huge role in this within the last 200 years or so. But even before that, human beings were growing more distant from the natural rhythms of the earth. Religious and cultural beliefs that distinguished humans as disconnected from or superior to other species and promoted the concept of God as a separate entity created a rift between people and nature. I suspect migration also played a part as people moved away from the lands of their ancestors and by doing so lost connection to the land. Colonization all but eradicated indigenous ways of life, replacing attunement to nature and communal living with greedy individualism and abusive depletion of natural resources. When I was about 21 years old, I traveled out west for the first time by train, which happens to be a magical way to travel. As the train rolled into the Rocky Mountains and I watched the landscape unfold in front of me, I had the strangest sense that I was coming home. Traveling further into the southwest, 
I felt a strong resonance with dry, rocky, red earth. That particular landscape has felt more like home to me than the cityscape I grew up in or even the lush, gorgeous green mountains I live in now. Why is that? At first I wondered if I were recalling a past life experience, which may be true. However, now I understand that the deep connection I feel to dry, rocky, red earth speaks of my ancestral lineage. My DNA test revealed that I am predominantly North African. My body seems to know and remember this homeland. My soul craves it. I'm no patriot, not in the sense that I closely identify with my country's dominant culture or politics, but I do love the land. The United States contains such incredible ecological diversity in some of the most breathtaking landscapes in the world. I feel unbelievably fortunate to be able to experience it. For me, this connection to land is the definition of home. We all crave a sense of belonging and a connection of place helps us create that sense. Our souls yearn for a spiritual affinity with the land and also seek supportive communities where we feel safe and protected. Before widespread capitalism placed heavy emphasis on individualism and our culture moved towards nuclear family structure, it was easier for people to experience a sense of community. Yet so many of us still crave it and seek it out wherever we can. For a long time after I left Buffalo, I struggled to go back there. I resented the place simply because it was the backdrop of childhood trauma and because it literally felt cold and punishing. I didn't like telling people it was where I'm from because I didn't feel it represented me accurately. Now that I've healed trauma and feel more confident in myself, I can connect with the things I do appreciate about my hometown, and I'll proudly tell people it's where I'm from. It's not a place I feel a spiritual connection with, but it is the setting of my personal origin story, and that matters to me. Consider the environmental factors that contributed to your origin story. The home you lived in. The city you grew up in. The country you called home. How did these things affect you? Reflect on how that feels now. Do you crave a sanctuary or sense of place? Do you feel a connection to the place you grew up? Do you feel a connection to the land beneath your feet? Is there some other place that feels like home to you, even if you've never been there? Are there any pieces of an old narrative to release or rewrite so you can feel safer or more at home now?
After listening to this episode, I encourage you to spend some time mindfully connecting with nature. Sit outside or go for a walk or a hike. And as you do, get quiet. Listen to the sounds you hear. See if you can identify where the sounds are coming from. Notice the temperature of the air, the sensation of it, or the sunlight on your skin. Notice how your body feels as you move. Pay attention to the smells and the sights you encounter. Look at the colors, textures, shadows, and shapes. Explore how all of these things make you feel. Be aware of feelings of appreciation. And if you feel inclined, leave offerings of gratitude to the land, to the nature spirits. This could be a physical offering, such as tobacco, cornmeal, flowers, stones, shells, even some of your hair if you don't have anything else. could also be kind words, like poetry or a song. Just be respectful and keep your offerings biodegradable. Hopefully, Going out in nature and spending some time really connecting there will help you overall reconnect and reestablish a relationship with nature. Home is where one starts from. In my beginning is my end. So that's all I've got for this episode. I hope it has got you thinking about what home means to you and how you can cultivate a meaningful sense of place in your life. Until next time, I wish you all the best. Be well. Thank you for listening to Blue Hour. To find out more about me, Adina Arden Cooper, and my work, visit my website at firebirdcreative.me. You can also follow me on Instagram at fire.bird.creative. If you liked this episode, please share it. And if you like this podcast, please review and subscribe. Join me for the next episode. Until then, I'll leave you with the words of Rumi, famed 13th century Persian poet, scholar, and mystic. Wherever you are, and whatever you do, be in love. <laughs>